What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. And if you're listening to us at this hour, that means you are wanting to talk some golf, and we're happy to bring that to you as we head towards the latter part of February and the PGA Tour uh, schedule really starts to kick up here over the next month. But uh, a little bit of a breather this week with the Mexico Open uh, and a very weak field event. So we'll break that down here for you. Uh, over the next little bit and of course we'll take a quick look back at last week we'll hopefully do our usual snake draft at the end of the show and uh, to help do that you've got myself justin van zuden aka stl cardinals 84 and my co-host uh, mr notorious alongside and uh, noto how's things going yeah not too bad if there are any uh professional golfers out there need of a win just uh, hit me up. I'll uh, talk bad about you, and you'll uh, find yourself back in the winner's circle. Last week, uh, Hideki, after I said he had no upside. Hideki, no upside. Matsuyama shoots nine under and goes nuclear on Sunday and wins the tournament. And uh, I, that gave me a little chuckle. I'm not going to lie. Just uh, And he was 60-1. to 1, So that's, that's a stretch now. Seven straight weeks of 60-1 to 1 odds. I mean, we don't think of Hideki as a long shot, right, in the traditional sense, but 60-1. to 1, in that field, that's pretty long odds. So, uh, yeah, it just it continues. It continues. Uh, so, yeah, my services are they're not cheap, but uh, yeah, hit me up if you if you need a win. Um, hey, I was on Luke List last week. He was uh, good for the most part, but man, the Cantlay meltdown really uh, had me tilted on Sunday. Yeah, that was surprising. And once again, you know, we, we go back two weeks, right? Only two of my golfers missed the cut, and I lost like eighty dollars or something like that. Now, last week, I had in my GPP player pool, again, I play a pretty narrow player pool, so I only played like 19 guys. I had Matsuyama in my player pool. I had Zalatoris. I had List. I had Cantlay. I had Xander. So I had five of the top six. Everybody except Hadwin was in my player pool, uh, but I had somehow managed to get more guys cut this last week when only like 10 guys went home. Uh, had a few of the landmines there at the bottom. And uh, and so despite having exposure to five of the top six players, I lost like eight dollars last week. So I'm you know, I, I, the last two weeks have basically been uh, right around flat. But uh, we've been we've been right there. And, and I think we had some pretty good takes uh, on the show last week. And uh, old uh, Dean Shabelson, Roto Grinders fame, uh, took down a couple of GPPs last week for some uh, five figure payouts. So uh yeah, and they were all guys that uh, you know, in some form or fashion, you or I had recommended. So, yeah, we were we were on a decent amount of good plays last week, even though it, uh, you know, Matsuyama ended up winning after he was no upside. <laughs> yeah, good for Dean. Uh, got some messages from uh, a couple members that had some good weeks too. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd love one of those uh, if it, if it could happen here soon. But uh, yeah, interesting week. Hated to see Tiger having to withdraw. Um, the Jordan Speed thing was kind of funny. Um, apparently he had to run to the bathroom and just didn't double check his scorecard and, uh, they sent him back. And, uh, what do you think about that old rule? Do you think they just get away with, do away with it? I, I mean, I think so. I, it just, it's, I know it's tradition and, uh, but it's archaic. I mean, uh, in this day and age of technology, uh, it, it just, you know, it doesn't make sense. And I joked on Twitter that, uh, you know, the, the PJ tour needs him to do that because the shot links never right. Uh, so they got to have the handwritten scorecards because you can't trust the technology. But uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, you got video of every shot and it just, uh, I, I understand it and it happens, you know, 
maybe four times a year to somebody, you know, once every three or four months, you see something like that. But it's just, it's just strange to me in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I'm generally anti-speed, you know, I I wasn't upset that he went home. I didn't have any exposure, but I just, I think it's taken away from the fans, right? If you're a fan, if you're, I've had a new perspective on this after, you know, as a family, we went to our first NBA game this year. And you think about, you know, the the cost to take a family of four to a professional sporting event, no matter what it is. Uh, And you got, you know, the cost to get there, the cost of the tickets, uh, food and travel and all that stuff really adds up. And so if you're going to like an NBA game and one of the stars like is sitting out, uh, then obviously, you know, you feel like, well, I you know got ripped off. I paid 200 bucks for this ticket or whatever. And now, you know, people that were going there, oh, we're going to see Jordan Spieth. He's in, you know, about 15th place or whatever. And then he gets kicked out over a technicality. You know, that's probably a bummer for some Jordan Spieth fans that maybe had tickets to go on uh, on the weekend. So, yeah, I think it's kind of kind of short sighted at this point. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, you saw the golfers keep their own scores just. You know, double check it at the end. If something's off, just ask them, hey, we had to do it for this. I don't know. I shouldn't be. Yeah, don't hide it from them until, oh, nope, afterwards. (laughs) Oh, nope, you did that wrong. I just, you know, if there's a discrepancy, talk about it and figure it out. But just sending you back in for, you know, a handwritten note on a piece of paper. um, I don't know. It just, it seems weird to me. Yep. Any other takeaways? Uh, so there was a lot of chalk, despite the uh, you know the the fact that only let's see what is it twenty golfers went home. Uh, a lot of fairly highly owned guys. Uh, Justin Thomas had a terrible week. Wyndham Clark uh, really faded on Friday, missed the cut. Fitzpatrick uh, was down near the bottom. Um, some other names that had at least some ownership: Straka, uh, Keegan missed the cut on the number. So. Yeah, it was pretty weird for a like a you know seventy golfer event. Fifty one guys made the cut uh, for there to be you know so many guys that uh, that had some ownership going home. Particularly Thomas after you know the really good start to the year that he had, he was one of maybe the highest owned golfer on the board. If not, he was right up there. Uh, that was one that really surprised me last week. Yeah, I think we can say don't play Thomas when he's playing with Tiger. And I think we can play it, say don't play Cantlay or Xander when they're paired together in the final group. Um, but I think that's happened a couple of times where they both have uh, kind of struggled there, uh, especially Cantlay. Uh, I think it was the Travelers last year, year before. He had a lead, was paired with Cantlay, chunked one in the water on the par three and uh, shot over par for the day. And they both struggled uh, on Sunday. So maybe uh, it's weird because they do the team stuff together. Yeah. And they've maybe had success too, at that. Too comfortable. Maybe there's not enough edge in the pairing. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Uh, Charlie Hoffman came back down to earth a little bit. That was uh, to be expected, although he did make the cut, unlike a lot of the golfers that you just talked about. Um, Rory hasn't been great so far, uh, at least on the PGA Tour. You know, he played well over in Europe before coming over here. But uh, yeah, no other strong takeaways for me. Yeah, I think that's uh, good for a recap of last week. Obviously, shorter field event. Uh, good for Hideki picking up the win uh, with the uh, absolutely dynamite final round and final back nine there on Sunday and uh, pretty much pulled away on his own there at the end uh, away from uh, Luke List and, and Will Zalatoris, who played pretty well in their own right, but uh, just 
didn't quite keep up with that nine under par round on Sunday. All right, let's turn our attention to this week, um, which is kind of a void in the calendar. So this is a this is a tournament that was played last year, I think towards the end of April. Uh, it's been moved up a couple months with the changes in the schedule this year to the uh, last full week of February. I think uh, with you've got some events coming up, the Arnold Palmer, uh, the first full week of March, you got the players in the middle of March. And so a lot of guys are kind of taking this week, uh, maybe next week as well uh, to, to, you know, rest up a little bit before the, uh, the calendar gets busy in March. And then of course for the masters in April. So uh, this is one of the weaker fields that we've seen in quite some time. I mean, maybe even if you compare it back to the fall swing, probably even weaker than some of those. Uh, it's a course uh, that's being used. This is the third time we've had this event. Uh, so two years of past data here on the PGA Tour and uh, just a remarkably weak field that we've got this week. But uh, what do we make of the course uh, to start out? Yeah, so it's a Norman signature course. It's a par 71, 7,456 yards. So one of the longest par adjusted courses on the PGA Tour. You mentioned the change in time of year. So you're probably not going to see the ball travel as far as it has the last couple of years. And we've seen this be a bomber's paradise, you know, 40 yard wide fairways, playable rough. Um, the holes are obviously very long. Um, so I think we're going to see even more of that this year. Although I do think the bomber narrative is probably going to get um, everyone's taking it a little bit too far. Like all you hear in any content this week is you have to play a bomber. So anybody that hits it like 310, anybody that's in the top 20 and driving distance in this field is automatically going to get an ownership bump. Um, so I don't mind looking at guys that are good with long irons. Um, you're going to see over 40% of approach shots hit from at least 200 yards. So guys that, you know, aren't necessarily bombers, they better be good long iron players if you want to keep them in your player pool. Guys like uh, Mark Hubbard, Michael Kim, um, just a couple that came to my mind. The greens are easy to hit. Scrambling's very easy around here, so I'm not looking at strokes gain around the green at all. The greens themselves are past Palum. But uh, you can't really look at past data for that because this is the only past column course that has strokes gain data. So all the others, like the Puerto Rico the and some of the others, they don't have any strokes gain data. So I wouldn't look at any planning splits because you would just be looking at, you know, two two tournaments in the, from this specific tournament. Uh, and, yeah, birdies are going to be good. doesn't look like there's going to be any weather. Uh, so going to the forecast today. Eight miles per hour is the strongest wind that we're going to get, at least in the forecast. So we're going to see some low scores. I kind of think somewhere around Tony Finau's number of 2,400 par is probably going to get the job done. Yeah, it'll be interesting when we usually see, when you see a tournament that lends itself to being more of a birdie fest and it's a relatively weak field, uh, that lends itself to a little bit more unpredictability. Uh, sometimes you get to see, you know, you see kind of lopsided weird leaderboards and events like this. So naturally this will be the week where like the chalk all finishes, you know, inside the yeah. top five after we've seen so many long shots win, it'll probably, you know, this will be the week where maybe you don't expect it to go according to plan. And, and then it does, but uh, we'll have to see how that shakes out over the course of the week, but, uh, totally with you. I mean, obviously the, the profile of the course is that bombers are going to be the ones you want to target, uh, but uh, don't mind taking some shorter hitters as well, If especially if the ownership tends to skew uh, in that other direction. And with the general unpredictable nature of a weak field event, uh, don't be afraid to, to maybe take some shots this week. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and get into it uh, a little bit. 
tighter pricing on DraftKings this week for uh, usually with these weaker fields, sometimes you see it get a little bit loose in terms of pricing. Uh, they've kind of flipped the switch to make sure that didn't happen this week. So instead of our usual like three or four, we've got five guys above 10,000 and Finau is all the way up to 12K. Uh, Grillo and Hoygaard, uh, and Olison and Dietrich rounding out the 10K plus range. I mean, Finau, obviously the favorite here. He's finished first and second in the first two editions. Uh, and, you know, he's the one guy that really doesn't feel mega overpriced. When you consider that everybody else, you know, again, relatively speaking, is going to feel a lot more expensive than usual. Uh, so, uh, Fino, I guess, deserves a discussion on his own. Is he a jam him in uh, and don't overthink it? So, or, you know, maybe 40% ownership. Uh, you try to go for the fade here. What do we do with Fino? So it's funny because originally I was like, there's no way I can get to 40%. And then uh, I recorded my little model video before this. I was talking about all the other 10K guys, and I was like, well, you can't pay this much for Grio, can't pay this much for, you know, Torbjorn or Dietrich. And I was like, well, maybe I will end up <laughs> getting overweight on Fina just because I don't want to pay a bunch for all these others. You mentioned the tighter pricing, but um, the, the pricing floor is actually down to 5K this week. So typically it's a 6K, so you're going to have... I think there's like 50 golfers that are in the 5k range this week so yeah but they all stink <laughs> they all stink but i mean so did the 6k's and 7k's i mean i don't i don't know i don't think it's that hard to fit fee now if you want him um he's the one golfer that doesn't feel overpriced in the whole field probably he's been played played here twice first and second um he's a bomber number one and strokes gain approach more than 200 yards so i like fee now um are you locking him or are you gonna get different yeah i mean i i almost never like completely lock anybody because i always fear the wd in that case like if i if i'm playing like three lineups or something maybe but yeah if you're doing 50 75 100 lineups um i almost always just i, I don't lock guys but uh, getting 60 70 80 percent i think you know that certainly makes sense because i'm not playing any of these other guys above 10k like I mean, Hoygaard's been really good, but uh, just rather take Vino and then take my chances elsewhere. Uh, Dietrich, I think, is is fine as well. But, you know, at 10-1, I, I just, I don't know, maybe it's the five-figure price tag that's making that more of a sticker shock. But it just seems to me like if you're up there, just get Fino and figure it out from there. Yeah, I mean, if you just base the pricing off of odds, you know, Finau's like plus 750, and the next closest is Hoygaard at plus 1800. So it should be Finau at like 12, and then everyone else at like low 10s, maybe. Um, so yeah, I, don't, I have a hard time not just playing him. Uh, you know, Grillo's got some good course history, but he's not really a bomber, doesn't really fit the narrative that we're looking for. I think Olison's interesting. Uh, his last eight events worldwide, he hasn't finished worse than T21 coming off of a win so i don't mind him in tournaments looks like he's gonna be you know 11 owned or so he's probably my second favorite up here yeah definitely another, and another guy that you know a lot of people don't know a whole lot about relatively speaking because you know he hasn't played a pga hasn't played many pga tour events but the um form in the fall on the dp world tour was really good so don't mind playing him uh if you're looking for an ownership angle there, but for my purpose, I will just be overweight on Finau for sure. All right, let's go ahead and move into the 9Ks. Uh, if you want to play the bomber narrative, that certainly fits the Keith Mitchell profile. 
He's 9,900, probably doesn't deserve that price tag given his form over the past six or eight months. Uh, so even though I like Keith Mitchell, it's tough for me to get there. Jaeger continues to kind of fly under the radar a little bit, uh, not in our little bubble, but just in general. I uh, don't think he gets enough respect for uh, for how good he's become. Like Jaeger hasn't missed a cut since April of last year, like 22 events now, I think, without missing a cut. So um, Rogers it has been super inconsistent, uh, interested in Noto's take after he missed the cut last week. Uh, on a bomber's course, you go back to him this week. Pendrith is pretty long off the tee. So on uh, this uh, mid to upper part of the 9K range, Jaeger is definitely my favorite. Uh, what are you looking at in here? Yeah, I do like Patrick Rogers, 10th theory to the last two years, um, number three in this field in strokes game per round on past fallen courses. He's number one in my course fit metric. And yeah, I like the course history. He did miss a cut last week, but it was right on the number. So I can forgive him for that. It was that. right on the number on a week where only like 20 guys will. <laughs> I mean, hey, he beat uh, JT. If you would have told me that at the start of the week, I'd be happy with it. He thought it would be a pretty good week. Um, I like Pendrith a lot. He's been playing. You know, he's also very been inconsistent, but he's got four top tens in his last seven starts. Another bomber, T30 here last year. No issue with Jaeger. You mentioned his consistency. Um, easy guy to start cash game lineups with, um, whether you want to pair him with Finau or just start with Jaeger. I don't mind starting with, a, you know, two or three of these guys um, and build them from there. But I'm not going to be on Mitchell. So maybe this is the week Mitchell comes back and win. This is the Hideki Luke list. Winning week for Keith Mitchell. I just don't see it. Um, I have him like 19th overall, 9,900 steep price point. So no interest there. Same goes for McKenzie Hughes. Just hard for him. I mean, why is he 9,400? Yeah, I don't get it. Because he, they did do an interview with him on uh, on TV last week live during his round. Did you see that? I heard some of his quotes about the, the tour and stuff. Yeah, it was it was just interesting because, you know, it, and they had some uh, pretty good back and forth dialogue with him and his caddy. Uh, he had hit a tee shot like onto the cart path and actually ended up saving par on the hole that uh, they were talking to him. And yeah, I mean, obviously his quotes about the tour have made it. But like that sort of stuff is interesting. I think uh, that's the sort of stuff that they can kind of work into broadcasts and uh, and kind of make it more relatable to the fans because, uh, you know, they were talking about whether he was going to try to go long on his approach or try to leave it short. Obviously he wasn't going straight for the pin because he was like 30 yards left of the fairway behind a tree and off the car pass. So uh, it was just interesting to see that, uh, that kind of dialogue between player and caddy. Yeah. I like that. You know what I don't like? I was watching, you know, I watched Tiger's group and the featured groups or whatever. And when they, every time they would get on the green, they would show the longest putt, that each golfer has made on that hole in their careers. It's like, what? Like in, in 1999, Tiger made a 37 footer on hole number 12. It's like, show <laughs> me, show me the odds of him making this 12 foot putt. Give me like this, the stuff that they come up with when they have all this, all these cool stats that they could put out um, just drives me crazy. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit weird um, because nobody cares about that, but uh, in a random, you know, second round of an event in 95 that it was every putt on every hole yeah it's strange strange but uh that's the uh, that's the coverage we get on the pga tour these days uh all right so let's see i've uh, i sidetracked myself there 
uh, talking about Mackenzie Hughes, but uh, I'm with you. I am not on him this week either. I think that Jaeger, Rogers, Pendrith range, that's where if you're going for a guy in here, uh, get one of those guys. I'm a Ryan Fox guy myself, but I, uh, given his inconsistency, I don't think I can pay 9300 for Ryan Fox, even though he is a bomber. Um, don't really have a whole lot of interest in anybody else in the lower 9Ks, except for, you know, I think Hubbard is fine. Uh, but probably just like a cash game type of play. Yeah, I like Hubbard. One of the best with the long irons. Um, pretty consistent too. So yeah, probably better cash. But uh, I did sprinkle a little bit on him in my outright card. And what about Brandon Wu with second and third place finishes here? Are we just paying for course history? Yeah, pretty much. I think, uh, I mean, you look at the last three events, miscut, 47th, miscut, um, his own, he's got one top 20 since the fall swing. So that, I don't think I'm super interested there. Yeah, if I'm paying for a course history guy, I think it's going to be Cam Champ, um, 8,600. So we'll move into the eighth. He's just one of those guys. He plays well, like four courses every year. Um, he's finished eighth and sixth year. He's a bomber. Are you playing any Champ? I don't hate that play, but I like that range quite a bit. Um, I, I've... I wish he wasn't so expensive, but uh, I like Jake Knapp. Uh, he's a bomber that has finished pretty well his last couple of events. And a lot of these events, you know, you look at uh, it was the uh, Farmers Insurance. He finished T3. That's a course that really rewards good drivers of the ball as well. Um, another, you know, Doug Gim has played well his last couple tournaments. I always like some Doug Gim as long as he can make some putts. Back-to-back top 15s for him. Davis Thompson's a guy I've played quite a bit as well. So, yeah, all those guys are plenty long off the tee there too. So I think you can make an argument for really any of those guys in the upper part of the 8K range here. Yep. Uh, Don Yeezy's agreeing with you. He likes Thompson and Knapp. Uh, I like those two as well. Uh, Knapp's just absolute bomber. I uh, can't wait to see what he can do in this field. A um, couple top 10s recently. So he's probably my favorite other than Champ. And then the lower eights, not as much interest. Uh, McNeely's shown some signs of life coming off of a T6, but uh, the ball striking still worries me a little bit. I think Michael Kim's interesting, kind of in the same mold as um, Mark Hubbard and that he's not the longest off the tee, but he's added some distance. He's really good with the long irons. Doesn't look like he's going to get a lot of ownership just due to the course fit. And I think he's one of the better players uh, in the AKs. Who's that? Michael Kim. Yeah, I think he's a steady option there for sure at uh, at 80 uh what is he 82? Yeah, yeah. 8200. Uh and the lower part of the 8Ks I think is pretty weak, so I like trying to get to one of those upper end guys uh and, and then, you know, Kim at 8200 if you absolutely need somebody in that range, I think is probably the best of the bunch. Um we've seen up and down form from guys like McNeely. McNeely's played a little bit better the last couple of weeks, so I suppose he'd be my 1B there, but uh, probably not a range where I will have a whole lot of exposure otherwise. No Hoffman for me this week. Um, so, yeah, that's probably it. Anything else above 8K for you? Don't know what I'm going to do with Aaron Rye yet. Similar to Michael Kim, I think he's better than most of the guys priced around him, just not the best course fit. So struggling with that one. All right, so you can talk about the uh, hothead, your boy Toasty there at 7,800 if you would uh, – if you'd like, but the upper part of the 7K range, you start to get a lot more kind of boom or bust plays in here. Uh, anybody standing out to you, 7,500 to 8K? 
Yeah, Tosi's got to be feeling good. Uh, Speed's taking some heat off of his back for signing the incorrect scorecards, so he's going to be uh, all ready to go. T10 here last year, one of the longest golfers, uh, you know, off the tee in this field. He's second over the last 12 months. And I was looking at his Corn Ferry stats. He has a 40% top 10 rate on the Corn Ferry Tour. And, uh, yeah, T10 here last year. So love Toasty, 7,800. Outside of that, I'm going to play some Johnny Vegas. You know, he's still working his way back from injury. But uh, last time out, gained 7.2 strokes ball striking at waste management. Another guy very long off the tee, very good with long irons. Um, Norman, we currently have Norman at like 7 or 2% ownership. I just don't think that's going to hold because he's a bomber. Um, if it does hold, I'll definitely be overweight. But what are your thoughts on on those guys? Yeah, I like Johnny V. I think uh, I was looking at his stats. Like you look at the last four months, six months, he's like bottom 10 in this field and all the short game stuff and near the top and all the off the tee and approach stuff. So uh, if he can just be not like completely abysmal on the greens, I think he's got a shot to have a solid week here. Um, I don't have a strong of a take on Norman, uh, though. You know, I'm if that ownership holds, I would agree with your thought there. Uh, Lashley's a guy that I think is uh, is a decent flyer here as well. He's been uh, boom or bust lately, uh, more bust than boom, but was T3 at the Farmers Insurance again, of course, that uh, kind of rewards a similar skill set. And he's not necessarily a bomber by any means, but uh, he has played here each of the first two times and uh, solid finishes both times. So, uh, Lashley, I think, is fine. Carson Young at 7,400, I think, is fine. Uh, and that's kind of the most of my interest in the, the mid seven Ks there. Yeah. Carson Young rates out really well for me. Uh, pretty long up the uh, Don Yeezy's bringing up Bjork, Alexander Bjork. So look, I played this guy a ton over on the DP world tour. He's one of the shortest hitters off the tee, but he's also an elite iron player and elite putter. So I don't hate the Bjork call. I don't think it's a perfect course fit for him, but um, he probably does have a little bit more upside than some of these guys. Um, Sam Stevens is getting some love due to the bomber angle. I don't know. I don't have a ton of interest in, in anyone else down there. Yeah, I think Stevens is okay. Um, I'm not playing anybody like God or Stallings tends to pop, pop on random events like this sometimes. I mean, I think you could take a flyer there, but it's not, you don't want to be playing like eight, 10, 12 different guys in here. Try to, again, of course, I'm always one that tries to narrow my player pool, but yeah, not a whole lot of interest in the lower seven K's for me. Um, I'd rather play somebody in the high sixes. Like I think Bramlett is a really good fit here. I know he's grading out really well in the projections. Also uh, Victor Perez, like you can make a case for at, uh, at 6,700. So those are a couple guys I like for sure in the upper sixes. What about you? Yeah. I like the Victor Perez call, I like the Bramlett call. I'm going to be on both of them. Just trying to see, I had a couple other names here. Um, Parker Cootie, I think he's a guy that you've been on a little bit. Uh, he was T25 at Farmers, Farmer off the tee. He's playing a lot better than his brother at the moment. Um, ben Coles rates out well for me, but we talked about him. I think I want to say it was at the Farmers where he just doesn't have the distance off the tee, but um, he's he's better than, at least better form than a lot of these guys. Ben Silverman rates out well for me. He's 6,200. And then got some flyers in the 5Ks, but nobody I, I feel great about. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot in the 5Ks either. Um, Jorge Campillo, if you want a flyer at 6,400, 
um solo fifth at the Qatar Masters his last start and uh, has a pretty good history on past Palom as well so uh again nothing nobody that's probably gonna knock your socks off there at 6400 but um familiarity with the uh, the grass I think and and plenty of experience on the DP World Tour uh Coles you know I played him a lot more maybe earlier here in January uh, not so much lately. He's kind of faded a bit since then, but I think Campillo is fine at 6,400. Uh, and then, yeah, I, unless you want to play the other cootie, uh, Norman Zhang, long off the tee, 5,800, uh, was leading an event for like a day a few weeks ago. Uh, if you want to uh, to target the Panda there, he's only 5,800. Yeah, I'll, I'll play some Panda, maybe like 5%. Um, the other two guys down there that I had notes on, Tom Whitney and Kevin Dougherty. Um, both of them made the cut at the Farmers. Both of them really long off the tee. Don't really know a ton about the rest of their games, but they are in the 5Ks. And, man, Francesco Molinari, 6,100. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> the turntables have turned. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I just can't play him, especially on a bomber course. But, uh, yeah, yeah can see a few guys down here that have had some success in the past, right? Scott Piercy's 5,300. He was a thing for a while. Uh, Lipsky, we've played some in the past is 5,500, but uh, obviously these guys are in the five case for a reason because the current form is uh, more than a little questionable for, uh, for most of these guys down here. So anybody else that we have missed, it's a, obviously a weak field event. So uh, the uh, viable options are, at a premium more so this week. Uh, Don Yeezy brought up Harry Hall, Justin Lower. Those are names that we at least know, but I don't think the course fits particularly good for either of them. But, yeah, I don't hate them if you're mme in. All right. Uh, well, with that, it's about time for us to fire up our usual snake draft at the end of the show. So, uh, reminder before we do that, if you want to exit uh, and uh, and you don't want to go through the snake draft, uh, feel free to uh, to pop off at any time, but uh, hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and of course, uh, don't forget to check us out over at rotogrinders.com, and uh, you can check out our new uh, PGA Sim Labs uh, tool, uh, simulates uh, the contest or simulates the tournament uh, a bunch of different ways to uh, figure out you know the optimal lineups for smaller field tournaments, large field tournaments. You can customize some inputs in there, and it is really slick. Uh, if you like it a lot, get yourself a premium subscription over at Roto Grinders. Uh, you can check out, I believe we've got a link in the description as well with some further information on that. But uh, for those of you that want to stick around for the snake draft, we can go ahead and move to that now. 